Support for Everything Explained comes from the College of St. Rose in Albany, offering master's and certificate programs for working adults looking to advance or change their careers. Easily accessible to downtown and state offices, the College of St. Rose has served the Capital District since 1920. strose.edu gradprograms to apply. Neutrality is a mess of divisive, confusing, and controversial opinion, and the clutter has only worsened over the last few months. Welcome to Everything Explained, a podcast about uncovering the basic fundamentals of what makes what we talk about in the news important. I'm Patrick Garrett, your producer and host. After the Federal Communication Commission's repeal of the Obama-era rules in December of 2017, chat forums, comment sections, and news articles about the repeal sprang up in every corner of the exact place that net neutrality was attempting to regulate, the Internet. Now, the beginning of the repeal process will start on April 23rd. Opponents of net neutrality rules say the regulations hinder the ability to provide so-called fast lanes on the Internet. Those fast lanes would give preference to certain industries and professions that require the fastest speeds possible to deliver the best service. Examples often given include emergency workers such as police, firefighters, and medical personnel. Advocates for net neutrality rules argue that the fast lanes would give ISPs, internet service providers, the ability to deny service to those who would or could oppose their business interests or ideas. But it all goes much deeper than that. For help breaking down the topic of net neutrality, we go to Stan Horacek, technology editor at Popular Science. Let's start off real easy. What is net neutrality? <laughs> so net neutrality itself is a term that was coined by a guy named Tim Wu, Columbia law professor. And the idea has actually been around since 2003, 2002, 2003. And basically what net neutrality is, is it says that the internet is a utility, that something that everyone should have access to freely, regardless of what the content is. You know, people have questionable choice in internet content as uh, most of the time, but, you know, that they should be able to see that. And, if, you know, the the packets of information that travel through the internet should be indiscriminate and in that, you know, data is data, whether it's Netflix or Facebook pictures or anything like that. Um, so net neutrality, as of we're talking has been repealed. Who has the power to control that information to, I guess, put a stranglehold on exactly the speed that it comes at? Sure. So the primary point of contention here is with internet service providers. So let's say Verizon or AT&T or Spectrum or anyone who you sign up for a service to get internet is basically who, who we're talking about here. Because the internet is fundamentally extremely complicated you know there are these giant underground wires and we're basically paying people to give us access to something that already 
exists. They're not making the internet over at Verizon and selling it to us. You know, they're just giving us access to it. And uh, that, uh, that access is what we're paying for. And right now we're just sort of supposed to pay for the internet. But it's going to get a lot more complicated than that. A lot of people use the the example of a tiered um, cable service where, you know, I, I don't get HBO or I don't get Fox Sports. I want to watch the UFC, but I don't know which package I need to get Fox Sports 1. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's, that, that's sort of the concern that a lot of people have. So Verizon, AT&T, these ISPs, they would have so much control over what we see on the Internet that a lot of people have brought up the idea that, possibly the internet should be a government-run uh, utility, similar to power, because the government actually funded the original construction of the lines for the internet. The rules that went into place that we're talking about, the net neutrality rules specifically, went into place in, in 2015. And these are sort of a series of regulations, but they're not the first regulations that really affect the internet. Um, the internet is actually sort of regulated by all the telecommunications acts going all the way back to 1936 when they broke up the AT&T monopoly. And there are sort of two classes of communication that things are governed by. There's information technology, and then there's Title II, which is a sort of telecommunications, right? And telecommunications have very specific rules, and information technology is, is a lot more sort of broad. It's not as a specific a thing. So the rules are a lot more lax than that and what we're doing is basically saying that we're taking the internet from one column where it has lots of rules and putting it back into another column where it doesn't have a lot of rules and the argument for that like uh, ajit pai the fcc chairman who sort of led this thing is he's basically saying well if we put all these rules on these internet service providers they're not going to make the investments that they need to make uh in terms of building out the networks and, you know, the Internet is going to stagnate because, you know, these rules are, are shackling. That's, that's a pretty typical talking point for that entire. It's pretty in line with the, the FCC voted along party lines. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's, that's basically what they're saying is that, that these rules are going to stop the Internet from growing at the rate that it needs to grow. The Internet is almost, in a sense, one of the most picture-perfect ideas of capitalism do you think it would just continue going on as it always has and there's little change? That's, uh, you know, it's one of the, when I when I talked to Tim Wu briefly about this for an article, I, I asked him, I was like, look, I'm going to take up five-year minutes. Like, give me the short version. Like, what happens if this isn't stopped? And he said, your internet's going to get more expensive. He's like, get ready to have to pay more to see the stuff you already see. And it's not going to happen fast. You know, there, there was sort of a, you know, I'm I, I fall very firmly on one side of this issue. I think net neutrality is extremely important. I think re repealing the, you know the 2015 act, I think it's a very bad idea. But I think a lot of people who agree with me also went about this the wrong way in talking about it the wrong way because I think there was a lot of hysteria in terms of the internet is dead. You know, headlines that that say stuff like that or the internet as we know it is ruined. And down the line, that may eventually be true. But I think like this vote happened and a lot of people expected all of a sudden now we have to pay $5 a month for YouTube or we're blocked from looking at CNN because of fake news or, or, or whatever. And that's just not the case. And what's going to happen is that these companies now they are going to have the freedom to do stuff that they've already started to do. AT&T, when FaceTime first came out, they said, you know what, FaceTime is going to take up a lot of bandwidth, even if you have the data to use it. 
we're not going to let you use it unless you upgrade to a better plan. That is not a great way to go about doing things because if I'm paying for data and I want to waste it all on FaceTime, then I should be able to waste it all on FaceTime. If you look in in other countries, you know, there was a I'm try, you know, I I'm at a loss for exactly what country it was. But um there have been things where an app like WhatsApp, you know, where it gives you free messaging yeah. over the internet, where service providers in, in Europe will say, well, you know what? We make a lot of money selling people text message plans. So we're going to block WhatsApp because you're not allowed to use it and you need to pay us for text messaging. And a, a lot of times it gets blocked, you know, it goes to the government and it gets blocked, but that's the kind of thing that can happen, you know, where you say your, your service is great, but we want you to use our service. So that service is blocked or you have to pay us extra money. And uh, this is another thing that Tim Wu told me is that our best chance is in the courts. There are advocacy groups that say this is going to restrict people's access to information, which is a fundamental right in 2017, 2018. But more importantly, also their states, attorneys general, at least 17 or 18. It's, it's probably more now. That was when, when this first happened. The next day, there were already 17 attorneys general from states, New York, California, that were already suing the federal government to say that this is wrong. And the argument isn't to say like, you know, I think one of the important points that people need to understand about those lawsuits is that they're not saying like, we need net neutrality. This is net neutrality is right. Let's go to court and argue about whether net neutrality is right or not. What the lawsuits say is that the repeal of the rules was done in a capricious way without enough, like the laws have only been in place for two years, which suggests that we haven't had enough time to actually see how they affect the way things work. And then the process of repealing the laws went so quickly with like no public hearings. There was no public hearings. They had this open comment on the internet, you know, but they were able to say like, even Ajit Pai, during this during the vote, he said, like, oh, people sure were mean to me during those public comments. Like, that's what they used to sort of brush those to the side. So no public hearings. So the argument is that it's not that they're going to go to back to court and argue about net neutrality. They're going to go back to court and say, look, you guys didn't put enough work into trying to figure out whether this was working or not. <laughs> that's interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I, th I thought I had to do more with the net neutrality itself, the repeal in the books. Yeah, no, that, if it gets repealed, it'll likely be because of the way that it was repealed and not because of the actual content of the of the acts or anything like that. What could we gain from the repeal of net neutrality? Sure. So one of the points that gets made by, you know, the, the right side of this argument is that the Internet is going to require more and more and more and more and more bandwidth. You know, we talk about self-driving cars coming online and self-driving cars. You know, one of the estimates that I saw, and I don't know how accurate it was. I haven't vetted this information, but I've heard that a self-driving car will generate somewhere in the neighborhood of two to four terabytes of, of data a day that needs to go through the internet, you know, that, that, that's how that's going to work. And if all cars are self-driving, that's an absurd amount of data that's got to go somewhere. And, uh, you know, we are going to need considerable network growth in order for that to happen and to facilitate all this stuff. And that's sort of been the, that's sort of been the weird balance that we've had. We're like, we can have this great technology, but can it really work on our current, you know, network? Or we have this great network, but do we have devices that can take advantage of it. So we, we are going to need some pretty considerable investment in the in the framework that we have. And, uh, you know, there there's been talk about like what what's going to give companies the motivation to do that. Uh, you know, and it, it's just it really depends. Like, I, I think the Internet's going to grow regardless. Like the Internet is clearly something that people should be putting money into. 
Um, Similar to like a Moore's law, Moore's law kind of thing. Th- things are just going to keep doubling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, yeah. To take that out of context, not the appropriate use for it, but similar to that, do you see the internet growing like that? Yeah, it has to. Uh, I think I think it has to because there's always going to be more more and more demand, you know, and it's going to be it'll be interesting to see where the money comes from. And uh, you know, there were a lot of people who argued took the same numbers, you know, that the FCC from both sides and said, look at growth in the internet has stagnated. And then there are people who say like, no, actually it hasn't. And it really depends on like all these really, you know, it's funny. We can talk, we can say like, it depends on the intricacies, but in, in the case of like worldwide networks like this, the intricacies can be millions of dollar line items <laughs> in terms of, mm-hmm. of expansion. And it gets, it gets really complex. The, the other, the other argument for repealing net neutrality is saying that what, what about my grandma who doesn't want to pay $25 for the internet? She wants to pay $5 so she can check her email and look at Facebook. And, uh, you know, that that's one of the arguments where it's it's a little short-sighted because internet has gotten really cheap. Hmm. But at the same time, th- there are people who still don't have access to it. And I think that, you know, if there's one thing that, obviously I would like that net neutrality stays in place, but I would also like that this conversation sort of brings to the forefront the idea of we really need to see try and give everybody a fair chance to get at this information because like the internet has a lot of stupid stuff on it but also has a lot of important stuff on it <laughs> you know yeah. and I, I do think it's a it's an essential thing for people to have at this point for better or worse <laughs> yeah everything from cat memes to you know your jstor research archives sure and you know it, it's even if even that one simple you know, I've had someone use that in a conversation. Say, what if my grandma just wants to use Facebook? Like, okay, your grandma just wants to use Facebook. So now what if she wants to click on a link that goes out of Facebook, right? Now what if Facebook says, okay, well, you know what? We can give you our instant article technology and some websites get it and some websites don't. So sometimes you'll click on a link and it'll work and sometimes it won't. And maybe those websites have to pay Facebook to make sure that it works so they can serve advertisements or they yeah. can give us a bigger cut of the advertisements. And it gets... Like this, the arguments start so simple and get so complicated immediately. The second you start thinking about like how these things are going to work in practice, they get absurdly complex. And the only real way to do it is to just make everything flat. Lastly, just to go back to the court system topic, do you see this going to the Supreme Court? Uh, to be quite honest, I don't know. I, I honestly don't think I, since what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with what Tim Wu told me. And he said... I think I believe the quote was something like this thing is going to die in the courts. It's doomed in the courts mm. is what he said to me. And um, I think that that's what's going to happen. I don't think it's going to make it. I don't know what level court it's going to end up at, but I think we're going to end up somewhere where we still have a, a, a semblance of this of net neutrality in, in place. And I think it's going to be a talking point. We're going to keep going back and forth about it. Because the fact that they were able to get as far as they did, as fast as they did, suggests to me that if it dies, that we're just going to go around again. You know, the FCC is currently three to two Republicans to Democrats. And I think as long as that happens, you know, one of the interesting things, this is the last sort of fine point I'll make about this, is that one of the things that's within the the confines of this repeal, this bill, this uh Restoring Internet Freedom Act, which is actually what they called the bill that repeals net neutrality, is that individual states are not allowed to make laws regarding net neutrality. So um, there are some people who thought like, oh, maybe the states can make a law and they can't. And the argument for that is that the Internet goes between states. So why would we let states make individual laws? 
And I think that's an important thing to point out that like there is stuff like that. And there's also a movement to say, you know, the FCC, as elections happen, can switch back and forth. We saw it happened in 2015 and now it's happening in 2017. So like but what they're doing now is trying to make a movement to say, you know what, this is we can't change this. And there's a lot on the line. And I think that we're, we're sort of getting a glimpse of how complicated this really is and how many people and government agencies and just everyone in general, how how many people this affects. Thank you for joining us today. Stan Horchek is tech editor at Popular Science. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, guys. See you on the Internet. Thanks for joining us on Everything Explained, a podcast about uncovering the basic fundamentals of what makes what we talk about in the news important. I'm Patrick Garrett, your producer and host. That voice that you heard earlier, that was Stan Horacek, technology editor at Popular Science. We want to thank Stan Horacek, as well as Ian Peckis, Jim Lavoulis, Kristen Gilbert, Ashley Kinsey, and the rest of the podcast team here at WAMC. But most importantly, we want to thank the listener. That's you for listening to the show, subscribing to the show. And if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button right now. It really helps us to create a better product. And you can also leave a review. You can also email us at everythingexplained at wamc.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at the handle eexplainedradio. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.